Welcome to the Love Good Podcast brought to you by our patrons. This is Jimmy Mitchell, your host. Join me each week as I sit down with artists and thought leaders to chat about music, culture, and what we call the art of being human. You see, Love Good's more than a subscription company. We're a movement of artists and patrons who believe in the power of beauty to evangelize our culture. And we're so pumped you're here. Super excited to let you know that in a moment, I'll be sitting down with Marisol Alisea, regular contributor, director of operations, Wonder Woman in the Love Good world. We're going to have a really fun conversation, mostly about big changes going on in our lives, both the big Love Good move to Tampa, Marisol's upcoming marriage, spoiler alert, and then just a really cool kind of ongoing conversation that we've always loved having about vocation, community, intentionality. Really exciting stuff. And by the way, last week I mentioned that we were wrapping up our Everything Must Go sale, which is great. We've extended it by one more week. This is the final push, the final big opportunity that all of us have to go to lovegoodculture.com slash store and get our hands on exclusive Love Good products. We're talking signed and autographed vinyl records. We're talking exclusively published books. We're talking t-shirts and coffee mugs, although I I shouldn't say that. I think we're out of coffee mugs. It's mostly mason jars at this point. A a lot of really amazing stuff that we're trying, obviously, to get out the door before everything sort of ends up in my home, basement, office, slash studio in Tampa. So go to lovegoodculture.com slash store if you haven't already. This is a big, big opportunity. Go ahead and buy every Christmas gift, every birthday gift you need for the next couple of years. And again, I'll be sitting down with Marisol here in just a moment. But in the meantime, enjoy this incredible song from one of our favorite singer-songwriters. His name is Scott Mulvihill. The song is called Joy. I can't snap my fingers, make the problems go away. Change is God's department, and I file my complaints. But sisters, we are patient, and in the trying times we wait. Marisol, I think you're usually the one welcoming the other into the Love Good Studio and, and onto the podcast, but I always feel the need to welcome you. Yeah. But it just, I don't know who's welcoming who today. That's a good point. I, I am here more. Yeah. <laughs> How about you welcome me? Okay. Welcome to the Love Good Podcast, Jimmy Mitchell. It's great to be back. <laughs> yeah. It's great, it's great to, to have you. Well, the last many episodes I've recorded anyways have been down in Tampa. Mm-hmm. We just finished the C.S. Lewis bonus series with Father Ryan Adorjan. I must say that I, I much prefer the Nashville studio. I was just about to ask, what's your favorite studio? Well, right now I, I can hear the laundry happening upstairs. Yeah, that's which, true. Which brings back, you know, the better part of 10 years of memories of, of living <laughs> in this home or living in a home just down the road where great things have been happening in this town. Yeah. So there will always be a, a sweetness and a, a nostalgia for me in, in being in this space. But the only obvious difference, apart from the fact that like, this has just got a lot of history 
and the soundproofing and the barnwood wall doesn't get much better. Justin. Tampa does have one thing on on Nashville. The beach. The ocean. Yeah. Like Father Ryan Adorjan was looking at the Gulf of Mexico the entire time we were mm. we were recording that bonus series. Well, it was more of a bayou as he called it. Yeah, you don't have that in, in Tennessee. You keep telling me that I'm going to come down to Florida. You keep telling me you're going to fly me down and it's not <laughs> happened yet. <laughs> so here's the latest. Okay. You ready for this? We're just going to go ahead and go public on this. I can't right now not at least attempt a total rebuild of the Love Good Studio <laughs> as we know it. Of course. Down in Tampa. Yeah. I don't have the space in my home, but my grandfather who passed away a few years ago, God rest his soul, he does have a basement. And this is where most of my friends who have visited have stayed in mm-hmm. this beautiful little home. It's actually a beautiful large home on the water, but the basement is totally out of the 60s. It hasn't oh. been renovated, hasn't been touched. My dad and my aunt who co-own the house, I think they're they're very happy for me to just invest like crazy to turn it into something very special and then to basically just use it for a few years for free because yeah. otherwise it's just going to sit there empty whereas the upstairs is going to be probably an airbnb cool. right so my thought is we've got to get that space ready so that we can properly welcome marisol mm. into love goods new studio and i think at that point you know you'd probably find that this exact wall would be rebuilt on there I, that you know the the beautiful red cloth soundproofing that we have i mean i just would literally pick it all up and and drive it on down which is why i'm not ready to sell this table yet either mm. for those who were wondering marisol was trying to sell it yeah because she's been really good at selling a lot of things i like selling, i like selling things it's a little addictive yeah so we are in this kind of crazy time of transition i mean we've been talking about it for a few months and maybe we're boring some people with the details but it has been for me a difficult time to mm. detach from a place and from a people that I love, you know? Uh, it, is not, it has not been the easiest thing. Mm. Now that it feels a little bit more permanent, it's one thing to go down and have a 10-month adventure. It's another thing to sort of think, okay, I'm actually saying goodbye to a community mm. and a season of life, you know? Before I get real sappy and, and, and pitiful over here, there's another transition happening. And it's yeah. much bigger. And it's all on you. And frankly, not something that, our world of patrons knows a whole lot about yet. Tell, yeah. us, tell us everything. Well, I am engaged. Kate, if you want to zoom in on my ring, <laughs> which I'm obsessed with. I got engaged back in February. I've been like subtly dropping hints like on the podcast. Well, not so subtle hints, but like, yes, I'm getting married on October 23rd. I'm going to be Marisol Ross. Crazy. That's a good name. <laughs> I love it. It's a good name. So also, I've been like Alisea my whole life, which is great. Because I'm like at the beginning of the alphabet and stuff. But it's hard because everybody like thinks it's my last name. I mean, thinks it's my first name. It's also a four-syllable last name. Do they assume it's Alicia? Like Alicea or like Alicia, Alicia or something like yeah. that. Everyone always thinks that Marisol's my last name and that like somehow the paperwork was wrong or something. And I'm like, no, this is my passport. It can't be wrong. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. So... I'm excited for like a one-syllable last name, really easy to pronounce. Very excited. And it's a very masculine name. So no one would ever assume it's your first name. Exactly. You know? So yeah, Marisol I'm excited. Ross. And yeah, marriage is a really beautiful, scary thing. I also don't like change. So it's like so funny because everyone before a wedding, they're always like, oh my gosh, I'm just so excited. And I'm so excited. But I also like don't like change. I don't like doing things that I'm not super like that I've never done before. So I'm like... Which is crazy because you took this job three years ago. True. 
True. I do have like a spontaneous side of me. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't like doing, yeah, it's just hard for me. I just, a lot of change. So I'm like, everything's changing. I have to move. I'm living with a man. <laughs> one person. I've also never lived with one person in my entire life. The smallest amount of people I've ever lived with was my parents when I was born. And it was only for like two years. Yeah. Because you got a pretty big family. You've always lived in community sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. No, I'm, yeah, one person. So I, I think this actually might be a really fun conversation to run with okay. because we do talk a lot about culture mm-hmm. around love good and i don't think we talk enough about family and just the idea of vocation right this yeah. permanent lifelong covenant yeah it, it often involves a place it always involves people mm-hmm. i mean regardless of the vocation there's a commitment to a person or to a community and again often to a place and and for now that place is Nashville. Yeah. Uh, but forever, that person is Garrett. You know? <laughs> yeah. And it's not the same as committing to a, a religious community where you can, you know, bounce around different personalities over the course of, of a lifetime. Mm-hmm. This is one person <laughs> yeah. for the rest of your life, right? That's exciting. It's also got to be a little daunting. And, yeah. you know, I, we're not living in a, a world right now that values commitment obviously mm-hmm. or sacrifice self denial you know the, the the basics of of virtue really mm-hmm. how have you processed that given you know the, the typical direction of you know people your age who mm-hmm. aren't getting married you yeah. know and uh, certainly are delaying things mm-hmm. like commitment and responsibility how are you processing that and then you know how do you sort of process it in light of the contrast that is our culture right now yeah i think I have a lot of thoughts, but it is definitely hard to process. Like there's so many moments where I think something random will hit me. Like, wow, like when my parents die one day, like Garrett's going to be the person by my side. Like every big moment of my life, like there's going to be him there, which is super beautiful. Like I'm so excited to like do like just do life with him. But it is just so crazy because like you said, like my whole life, I've just been like bouncing around to different communities and not in a bad way. And just, and that's just what, life's like when you're single (laughs) and Mm -hmm. um, I live in community with nine other girls and so which is amazing and beautiful and there's always someone to talk to always someone different to talk to so I'm just like not very used to that I felt that even when I came over to to visit last night (laughs) I I forgot what it's like to be in a house with eight people and their friends are hanging out and your landlord is hanging out (laughs) I'm just not used to that anymore I live alone yeah it's so different it was it's actually really funny last night when like our, our landlord came over and he was like, why are there 12 cars here? And I was like, <laughs> because it's Sunday. <laughs> like, yeah. And you guys had thrown a big brunch. I mean, you are a hub of community yeah, and culture, yeah. which is really cool. Yeah, it is really cool. And so just wonderful. How many young I'm adults are out that. there just feeling the loneliness of life? Yeah. You know, they and don't have community. That's something we've learned so much here in Nashville this year, very particularly I think the Lord has just sent a special grace to my house and this house of just like wanting to first like invest in each other really, really well. Mm. Our house has just had a year of grace of just like really going hard in like loving each other and living life aside each other. And we do a house dinner every Tuesday and it's really turned into like a discipleship group, honestly, wow. where we're just like really putting on the table, like what's really going on and like making commitments to really pray for each other and push each other harder. And mm-hmm. it's been so beautiful. And then from that, we've noticed this just like outpouring of people just like 
coming and wanting that and like us having the capacity to invite them in. It's huge. Because I've lived in communities before where you don't really feel like you have the capacity to like invest in anyone but the community because it's just like, ah. But what we've realized is that when we really pour into each other, then we have so much more capacity to Mm. just like invite in other girls or other young adults who just like need need the love and community and need the church as like as much as we do. Yeah. And so it's been so, so beautiful. And then our friendship with the men who live here too has been really beautiful and like having these like huge parties with just like random people. How many times did you shut down by the police during COVID? At least a couple. I don't, I don't know if I want to say that on <laughs> not you on the internet. But the guys, the ones who were hosting <laughs> that's, those that's true, yeah. mega parties. It was really funny because it was like a throwback to college. Like uh-huh. when the cops shut the party down, we're like there's literally no underage drinking going on. But we're like, why are we getting shut down? And we're like, oh yeah, I forgot. It's illegal together. So <laughs> like, crazy. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah, definitely a few times. But <laughs> I think we reached a point though where civil disobedience was uh, very oh, yeah. much the move. You know? Oh yeah. 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 And the cops didn't care that much. They were like, just go to Williamson County. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. yeah. That's about right. But um, yeah, just like realizing the beauty of what it means to like live as Christians together really well. And then how that overflows into evangelization. And, and over it's time, not a forced thing. Beautiful. Set. I mean, that's exactly what love good has become over time. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a community of Christians yeah. who are doing life together so well that the overflow is, of course, the evangelization yeah. of family, friends, and the culture around them. Yeah. That yeah. to me is so natural. Yeah. Well, it's supernatural, but it's natural. Yeah. I was talking to a friend as recently as two days ago. Mm-hmm. Former apprentice, actually. And... You know, he's really into the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And frankly, we all should be, yeah. right? We should all be very excited to, to mm-hmm. live the fullness of those gifts in our day-to-day lives. I find that there is a, a kind of Christian out there who loves talking about those kinds of things, who loves constantly sort of assessing and, and, and analyzing, you know, the fruitfulness, maybe not of their lives, but of just, you know, people around them and, again, how tapped in are they to the gifts of the whole? How articulate are they about the gifts mm-hmm. of the whole? And I just think, just live them. Yeah. Stop talking about it, just live them. Yeah. There's a naturalness to, I think, the way that a lot of young Catholics have embraced the faith in this town mm-hmm. over the last 10 years. And I do think that's been one of the massive appeals for our patrons. They've always been able to look in at that. I mean, I remember when we first launched the summer tour in, in 2013, mm-hmm. it really came out of countless events and countless house concerts that we had already hosted at now your house, the yeah. one that I used to own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the old Goretti house, mm-hmm. you know, which was a mile down the road towards Brentwood, you know. We were bringing the rest of the world into something that was already happening here. Yeah. And it was something that we were all long before a pandemic looking for, which was community and yeah. a sense of belonging, you know. And just breaking through that, like kind of going back to what we said at the very beginning of the conversation, like our culture is so isolated right now. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, it has been for a while, but it, we're just at a point that's next level. Total breaking point. I agree. Yeah. And that is so like what we're living and just like what we've been trying to live is to break through that isolation mm-hmm. and just to be together. Yeah. And like one of the guys who lives here, the like back in January or even probably before that, he was just saying, I hope I don't scandalize anyone, but we were just talking about how like, yeah, we've been throwing these parties and a lot of people say it's like really unsafe because of COVID and all that stuff. And he was just saying like with a very genuine heart, he's just like, I like, yes, COVID's dangerous, but like five young adults in our community have committed suicide this year. 
And like, it just feels like a bigger thread. Yeah. And like, we need to be together. Like, we need this. This is such a strong need. Like, this is is more life or death for like, totally in this moment. And just like, that's just kind of been like a little bit of a heart cry for us too. Just like, we just want people to know they're loved. Like, this is so huge. And we need it for ourselves as well. Yeah. And it's so natural. It's not this like, let's just be this great community. (laughs) Like, yeah. Just like, oh, let's just live to the fullest that we know how. Yeah. Because it is easy to talk about these things. It's a whole other thing to live them organically. And I almost feel hesitant to talk about them sometimes because I don't want it to feel less organic than it is. Like once you start talking about it, then I feel like, wait, am I trying to strategize? Which is, that's okay. C.S. Lewis used to say this about friendship. Like as soon as you acknowledge your love for your friend, it almost like, kills yeah. the friendship or it kills the the naturalness of the love that you share yeah. you know it feels like that with marriage too yeah like as we prepare for marriage like the more we talk mm. about like the mysteries of marriage the more i'm like i don't want to like it's such this like beautiful big mysterious thing yeah the more like you put words to it the more just like i don't want to talk about it too much but where would we be without pope saint john paul ii putting it into words I in know. theology of the body where would the you know entire monastic tradition of the church be with, you know, without St. Benedict writing out the rule of St. Benedict, you know, this is a constant tension for me. And it's one that I feel, especially now that we are more and more moving love good into uh, an education platform. Yeah. We're going to talking about a lot more of that as this season unfolds and especially transitioning into season seven of the podcast. How do you put language around these sort of organic supernatural realities, right? That without some language, people will never be able to appropriate and live elsewhere. Yeah. You know, not everyone's going to be able to like come to Nashville for a long weekend or live in a Bosco house or Goretti house or be a love good apprentice or spend a year or two at seminary or in religious life or come out of a really holy solid family. Mm. There's just a lot of folks out there who are going to be doing their best with what they've been given and to not at least have some language and some tools and, as much as it makes me uncomfortable, some strategies around how mm-hmm. to live a Christian life together. Yeah. You know, with others who are kind of tired of all the bullcrap of of the world and yeah. of the culture, you know? It is an exciting time. I think you put it well. It's a bit of a breaking point. My question for you is, how do you now sort of maintain that spirit of community and that radical hospitality that has become just part and parcel of living with seven or eight other women. I mean, I, I think I know the answer to this. I'm curious what it looks like for you as you now anticipate your, your life as a wife and as a mother yeah. and raising a family and wanting to continue to have a, a home, right? Where people can encounter each other and encounter God and and feel again a part of something bigger than themselves. How do you anticipate like the joys and maybe even the challenges of that transition for you? Because it's about to look really, really different. Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't really know, (laughs) totally. But I think this is probably obvious, but it first starts with just like living that community with Garrett and like really committing to praying together and just like focusing on that. Like that should always be primary. I mean, that's just, that's what a primary vocation is. And then being intentional about like, I think it's kind of the same, like letting that overflow into the rest of our life. And we both love our friends. We love hosting people. We love, in, like, we love our families and we love inviting people into our friendship mm. and our relationship. And 
So I'm like looking forward to what that will look like. But I think another thing too, which this is something that like you definitely taught me and just the Love Good Apprenticeship program really taught me is everyone should have something in their life that they do very intentionally. That's like a very much their apostolate in a sense, Mm. their, their way of accompanying other people. And I think it's easy to sometimes be like, oh, well, like work is my that's my outlet, my evangelization outlet. And like, that's fine. Maybe there is something very specific that you do there. But I know for me, I really need like a youth group that I go to every Wednesday that like, I have a small group of high school girls that I really like pour into Mm -hmm. something like that, like doing something every week. And that's something that I think I'll always do for the rest of my life. I might have to skip a few years when I have like a lot of kids, (laughs) but while I still can like going, really like making sure that I I do very intentionally invest in young people, especially mm. young women who I want to like just, yeah, walk with and walk towards the Lord and towards sainthood with mm. because that's so important as that's well. Cool. You brought up, you know, some of the things that you've learned in these last three years. I mean, these have been, you know, fairly precious years out of college, mm-hmm. laying the foundation for, adulthood and vocation. And, you know, when you think back to who you were as a senior, mm-hmm. having just graduated from Benedictine, you know, and obviously you were discerning whether or not to move to Nashville and to take this job and to be involved with Love Good and especially the apprenticeship program initially. What would you say to your 22-year-old self now? Mm. You know, what would you say to any of those young Benedictine grads that we were at a wedding with only a couple <laughs> nights ago? You know, what what do you now know for certain about your life as a young adult that you definitely would not want anyone else to miss out on because mm. it's a precious time. Yeah, I would say right out right out of the gate. Like I, I didn't realize how formative my first few months as a young adult were going to be for the rest of my young adult life, whatever that means. <laughs> and I think the thing that really changed everything was right out of the gate. Like I was really blessed because of the apprenticeship program, but like setting making prayer just like number one. Mm. And like with the apprentices, we would pray a holy hour every morning and go to mass right after. And we were praying liturgy the hours throughout the day. And so right out of college, here I was with this like very rigid, very beautiful and rich prayer schedule that like I've honestly kept these past three years, which Mm. has been so beautiful. And then actually it's so crazy because that's how I met Garrett because he was praying a holy hour at the same time we were for about a year before we ever talked. And so like, I didn't realize how much it would radically change my life in that way as well. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. But like having that, I think if I, I think I would have desired to have a prayer life like that coming out of college, but I don't know if I would have had the tools to be able to like develop that right out, like right away mm, mm. just because I'm not good at change and transition and all that. Yeah, so the fact yeah. that like I that was just almost done for me right away was just like so rich and so beautiful. And I feel like everything else that has come out of these past three years with the community and the finding my vocation and the my career and everything that's come from that has really flowed from um that prayer time and that very primary commitment. Mm. So I think that's just what I would say to myself, to anyone, just like make sure that prayer comes first because everything else can be figured out through that. (laughs) Yeah, especially in those key moments of transition. Yeah. I'm thinking about, you know, uh, all these guys that I've gotten to know over the last year who are 
now out of high school and preparing for college. Like this is the time to lay out the foundation in prayer, Yeah, you know, to know that, okay, I'm going to commit to daily mass, Mm -hmm. regular confession, personal prayer, you know. I've been reading, I just finished actually this incredible book by St. Alphonsus de Liguori. Mm. This might be a little bit of a tangent, but a very worthwhile one. It's it's very hard to find. I, it was through our good friend, Father Dan Real, that I came across this book. Yeah. And it's called The Dignity and Duties of the Priest. Oh, cool. So not necessarily the, <laughs> the kind of book that someone like me would pick up on a, you know, bookshelf and, and read naturally. But because of Father Dan's recommendation, I just decided, okay, this has got to be good. And I've always loved Alphonse de Liguori. Yeah. For those who don't know him, about 200, 300 years ago, he was one of the best synthesizers of spirituality out there. I mean, he, he has a way of every other line quoting some other great mystic or martyr or church father. And then you can tell like whoever had to publish it, you know, worked furiously on annotating it because of course <laughs> you know he, he just did it naturally right but they didn't have to go find the quote and the exact paragraph from the exact book and all that to say it's chock full of wisdom this particular book uh, he goes on the, a long beautiful rant about the power of mental prayer you know specifically that that meditative prayer that's the personal dialogue with god that we all need you know it's it's not just the vocal prayers the memorized prayers but the mental prayer we really engage God at the level of our hearts and 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 our intellects, you know. For me, that takes the form of a lot of journaling, where I'm I'm writing exactly in my journal what I would be what I'm saying to God in prayer, and then I'll kind of pause and I'll listen. If I don't write it out, I get very distracted, mm-hmm. right? So that's one of my kind of primary ways of entering into mental prayer. And he makes it so clear. He says, "Mental prayer and mortal sin cannot coexist. Mm-hmm. That at a certain point, one of them has to die, mm-hmm. right?" And I thought that was so powerful. Because, you know, at the moment, it'd be very, very easy, given how busy my life has become working in a high school, to just do lots of vocal prayers, to just sort of barely hang on to daily mass and to barely hang on to maybe a couple of rosaries a day. And I I know that everything I'm saying right now is very, very Catholic, right? But this is how most Catholics pray. This is how we sort of think about prayer. We've got 2,000 years of, of traditions and devotions that, you know, we can stand on. But he says, no, like it's, it's far more important what's happening in the daily holy hour that you're talking about. Even if it's only a daily half hour yeah. prayer where you're really entering into a loving di- dialogue with God, where you're opening your heart, where there's a vulnerability, where your heart is saying, okay, God, I'm ready for you to pour grace yeah. and to pour mercy and, and love that I can't tap into otherwise. You know, it's very easy to just rattle off Hail Mary's and to keep your heart closed. Yeah. Obviously, that's not the goal of vocal prayer either, but it's easier for that to happen than if you're pouring your heart out to God in your own words and then giving him a chance to respond and to speak and to pour back, you know? So I, I think this, this commitment to daily prayer, especially daily mental prayer, has become more imperative to me than ever. Yeah. Especially if we're serious about living lives of like genuine joy. Yeah, it's the easiest one to kind of forget to, even with me, like in my holy hour, it's very easy for me to just like pray a morning prayer and then pray a couple of rosaries and then maybe like read the readings and then be done. Suddenly mass begins and, and you're going. And that's beautiful. It's a great way to spend your time. But it's it, it takes like energy and real like determination and to make sure. And vulnerability too. Yeah, to make sure that that mental prayer happens and 
yeah. I've heard a lot of talks recently about mental prayer and how it's like, it's really the only way to be advancing in the spiritual life. <laughs> yeah. And that's something that we have not done a great job of encouraging enough with the Aratio book, for example. Mm. Aratio is sort of, I think, the vocal prayer book par excellence. Absolutely. Obviously, we love Aratio. Yes. And we're in the process. Actually, it's August now, so we've probably sold like 10,000 copies. Yeah, hopefully. Which is amazing because I think vocal prayer is foundational, mm-hmm. you know, really, really important the best place to start. I mean, from the time we're kids, you know? But I think we've only got one little section on mental prayer. Mm. It it includes a little passage from St. Francis de Sales, Introduction to the Devout Life. And then we got the little section on Lexio Divina. And you could say to some extent, like aspirational prayer Mm -hmm. can fall under mental prayer, you know? But we're we're actually in, in the process down in Tampa of completely relaunching a prayer book for our students. Mm. It's basically an Aratu, a ripoff <laughs> with a massive, massive section on mental prayer. I love it. And I think this is, uh, again, a, an easy area to miss out on. Who knew this is where our conversation was going <laughs> to land today? You know, but when you think about the the power and importance of, of community and and just the the preparation that God has given you now for your vocation, if, if there's two elements that are foundational you know, bulwarks of the journey for you, it's clearly been community and prayer, Absolutely. prayer and community. And so maybe this is a an important message for every, every one of us out there who are in the midst of our own transitions. Maybe you're graduating from high school. Maybe you're graduating from college. Maybe you're beginning a new job. Maybe you're a year into a new job like me and you're realizing, oh, I'm probably doing this for a while. Mm -hmm. And you're having to say goodbye to community or just a season of life that's now a part of the past, less than, you know, it is a part of your future. And so, uh, prayer and community, prayer and community. Yeah, um, and I think I, would, I think I would say too, like the fruits of either both of these things are not always going to be so obvious. So one thing I learned a lot about prayer too is that I remember one time I was talking to my spiritual director and I was just saying like, in prayer, I'm not getting any answers. And she's like, okay. And then I was telling her about all these instances where I would go pray a holy hour, then I'll go home and I'd be like curling my hair and suddenly I would like have an answer. <laughs> and nice. then she's like, so you should probably just stop praying and start curling your hair more. And I was like, what? And she's like, obviously like that grace came from your prayer, if that makes sense. Like just because we're talking about like sit in prayer and listen and all these things doesn't mean that like, if you don't hear God's voice or like, if you don't feel peace, like walking out of your prayer, that it's Mm -hmm. not working. Mm -hmm. And then I would say the same about community. That was one thing that Garrett and I like really, really had to learn was that like the fruits of our relationship aren't always like these like happy, joyful, like beautiful moments. Like that's, I mean, that's, that's awesome. And that's great. And that's a wonderful part of like marriage and engagement and all that. But the real fruits that I see is like how much holier I've become because of him and how much like these moments where I'm just like, ah, (laughs) (laughs) ah, he's a very neat person. I'm not, I've really had to learn I'm so, actually so, really glad that you've helped. You've really say, primed think, me for this. Yeah, as, as your coworker, colleague, yeah. boss. Jimmy, Jimmy makes me keep this place very, very clean. And <laughs> I'm not good at it. But like the past three years, I've, I've gotten okay at it. Yeah, it's been and great. It's really primed me for Garrett. That's cool. And yeah, so just different things like this were like, it's been like so like, ah, oh, this is so hard, but it's so purifying. And I... There's so many moments in our relationship where we're just discerning and we're like, is this right? I don't know. And then the one question we kept coming back to is like, are we 
being sanctified. Mm-hmm. Like that's the point of a vocation. And that's mm-hmm. the point of all community, not just marriage. Like that's the point of our house. That's the point of all this. Like, am I being sanctified? Am I becoming holier? And the answer was always an undoubtable yes. Awesome. Like without any question. So like, yeah, just know that the fruits, the fruits of those things aren't always like good feelings. <laughs> Thank God. Because if we were all waiting for the Disney fairy tale to come true, I think we'd be waiting for the rest of our lives. Yeah. And we would die very lonely people. Yeah. So, Marisol, this has been great. I'm thinking in a couple of weeks when you're back on the podcast, we should talk about dating. Okay. Because there's been, <laughs> there's been some requests, yes, apparently. There has. <laughs> and, and Father Ryan and I, we're, we're going to tackle that a little bit later in season six. But obviously, that's, that's two men talking about yeah, dating. Yeah, you need some of the one feminine of which is genius in so, that. Not that I'm a genius at all. <laughs> it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to that. We're going to go and fulfill that request. And it'd be a nice way to pick back up on this conversation we've had about vocation mm. and obviously community and prayer as well. So uh, we'll see you in a few weeks. Yeah. Peace. Peace. I know you laid it all in his hands And I want to But I want to know As the sun falls down and the leaves turn gold You're with me, you're with me When snowflakes fall on my cheeks and nose You kiss me, you kiss me When blossom petals cloak the grass When the light breaks it storms pass on the longest day when the sun falls down you're with me you're listening to keep it simple by jessica gerthardt an amazing single and like all of the music that we feature on the podcast it's available on spotify apple music and everywhere digital music is streamed y'all as always thanks for tuning into the love good podcast we are just working our way through season six. It's going to be, I think, a 15-episode season, if I'm not mistaken. And then it's not going to have a bonus series. On November 2nd, we're going to go straight into season seven of the Love Good Podcast, which is going to be unlike any other season we've ever had. In the weeks ahead, we'll start dropping hints, and eventually we'll make some big announcements about what that's going to look like. But Love Good is you know, undergoing a really exciting transformation right now. I feel like every three years, God has always done something really big to take love good to a new level. And that's happening right now, right here. And again, a lot of announcements are to come, yet to come about that. So next week, I'll be sitting down with Dr. Ryan Hanning. There's going to be a really fun rotation of contributors all throughout season six. And you know, these are some of my best friends. Uh, there are few people I enjoy sitting down and having long conversations with. And Marisol, Dr. Ryan Hanning, Father Ryan Adorjan. Such a joy, and it kind of just feels like we're all sitting down having coffee together. I hope it feels that way for you. Nothing but love and prayers, and we'll see you next week. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Love Good Podcast. Share this episode link on social media, leave us a review, and join our movement today by subscribing as a patron at joinlovegood.com. You'll start enjoying our premium content and seasonal packages that not only raise your standard for music, books, and art, but that also inspire you to evangelize culture through beauty. We can't wait to accompany you as you change the world.